Hello, I'm your host Jim McLean. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Bantaflix Movie Review Podcast on our new home here on SoundCloud. And for our first podcast, we're going to be looking back at a bona fide classic from 1986 that, of course, is Crocodile Dundee. We're going to be asking, is it all that? Joining me and, and trying to help me decide whether Crocodile Dundee is all that. Is it comedy gold? The big list, Lee Forgy. Hello to you, Lee. Hiya, Jim. Lee, we're going to be talking, as I said, about Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee 2 and Crocodile Dundee in, in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, we're going to talk about that one as well. But for anyone listening here going, why are these two guys talking about Crocodile Dundee? You know, a film from 1986... Why are we talking about it now in, in 2018? So for anyone listening, Lee, fill them in as to why Crocodile Dundee at the minute is quite topical. Well, at the minute, um, in the last couple of weeks, there's been trailers popping up for what looks like a new, uh, not only a new Crocodile Dundee film, but like a new take on the, the franchise. Sorry to butt in, I love that you call it a franchise. <laughs> yeah, it's up there with like, the MCU and Star yeah. Wars, obviously. Um yeah, it's called Dundee, the son of a legend returns home, and it has uh, Danny McBride, who, for all intents and purposes, is the son of the original Paul Hogan character from the the uh, first couple of films, mm-hmm. and it has a whole cameo, a whole range of cameos by like Chris Hemsworth, Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, anyone who's Australian is in this film. Um, well, if you can call it a film, because after the first couple of trailers. Um, sort of appeared online seemingly out of nowhere you know a lot of people got very suspicious and with the super bowl coming up um a lot of people have deduced that this is an ad campaign for what will be you know an overall big massive commercial for tourism australia um during the the super bowl halftime show i don't think it's the first time something like this has been done i think they did something similar for like or with uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the interesting thing about this is, I think there's a lot of people who've seen this these trailers, um, obviously not realizing that it, it, it's a bit of a hoax or you know it's it's a marketing scheme, and actually think that it could be, it is like a new Crocodile Dundee movie. Um, and what, admittedly, when I first seen it, when I first seen the, the the first one with Danny McBride and Chris Hemsworth, I kind of thought they were trying to do a you know, do a 21 jump straight on it, you know, make yeah. this, take this old series, revamp it for, you know, the 21st century and, you know, put in all these comedy actors and pretty much do lots of nods to Australia as they did in the, the original film. And it sort of made sense in a way. Um, but then it sort of got me thinking, I'm not really a huge fan of the original Crocodile Dundee. Sacrilege, this, this Sacrilege. Podcast. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, when I seen the trailer, like I said, I was looking forward to, you know, I like Danny McBride and I like all the the Australian actors they have cameo in it. So I kind of thought, well, you know, it could be an interesting new direction for the series. Um, but it looks like it's not meant to be, although time will tell. Maybe the appetite is there. I don't know. It's going to happen, Lee. It's gonna, I, I'm calling it now. This is going to happen because people are going to go, oh, this is going to be too good not to do. I... I saw this in a kind of scene. I only saw this a couple of days. You might be able to hear it still in my voice. I, last week, was sick as a dog with the flu. I mean, almost pseudo-delusional with madness. And as you do when you're sick at night, you can't sleep, you kind of look online. And you're maybe more suggestible than you are. And I suddenly seen these trailers, Dundee, the son of a legend, returns home. And I was like, yeah, this this could be awesome. Just because it's Danny McBride... And then you start going, oh, there's that wave of disappointment. Oh, it's a fake. It's it's going to be just for adverts for the country. And part of you goes, oh, that's a really good idea for a fake trailer. But also, I want this to... And it's not because I have this huge love for Crocodile Dundee. I have a kind of forced love for Crocodile Dundee because my father absolutely adores this film and the sequel. But... I just was like, this, you know, it's Danny McBride. You know, this could actually be awesome. And I actually find it funny. But I think it might be one of those things that it's probably funnier if you do it as this kind of little short, like maybe five minute fake movie or for a trailer for a fake movie rather than trying to do an hour and a half 
of this as much as I love Danny McBride. A scene today in a trailer, I think Russell Crowe's in there. Russell Crowe's being pitched as as the film's body. You have, uh, I think it's Isla Fisher as well as in there as a kind of vet. And we yep. have Margot Ruby as uh, Dunk Jr., a perfect little bit of casting. But yeah, it it's kind of going, yeah, I got I could get on board for a, a Dundee reboot. You know, I kind of want them to expand the whole cinematic universe. If, if we're going back to what you said earlier, Lee, the Crocodile <laughs> Dundee franchise, you've got all those characters. You've got Donk. You've got Nugget as well. You know, it's it's there. You've got the whole Australian Outback, Lee. You could have the potential for a whole expanded Crocodile Dundee cinematic universe. I, I think the potential's there. I'm, I, I still think this is going to end up happening. I just think this is going to end up being ha- end up happening in kind of the way the oh machete yeah the machete film started as fake trailers. I know it was for a different thing. It was uh, for the Grindhouse project, but they ended yeah. up making what going from like a a false trailer. I think there was that. There was Hobo with a shotgun. Those went from those fake trailers to being real. I could see this happening, and it would be one of those things. Secretly, I, I'm I'm going to be ashamed to admit I'll probably go see, probably because it's Danny McBride dressed up as Crocodile Dundee, and someone will say, that's not a knife, that's a knife. And, uh, yeah, so what can I say? So, I was, like, were you, you, you kind of answered yourself, Lee, you weren't disappointed at all to find out that this was not a reboot, that this was just all a big hoax. Well, I mean, I, I, like you, I like Danny McBride. Uh, you know, he kind of does play similar characters in a lot of movies but I, I think he's very funny um and the cameos that are in this are all great and i mean it could work you know, the original crocodile dundee was this kind of fish out of water <laughs> comedy with an australian visiting um new york city so this is kind of the reverse of that where you know you have this uh american arrogant american trying to live out in the outback and stuff and you suppose there's potential there for that but Give me an example. I was in uh, work the other day, and somebody said, "Here, have you seen that new trailer? That new Crocodile Dundee trailer it looks pretty good." And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen it." Um, but you do know that it's it, it's probably fake. And he's like, "What do you mean?" So I sort of explained it to him. And he's like, "Oh, that's a bit disappointing." And I did, said to him, "Did he cry a wee bit, Lee? Did he cry?" Oh, he looked like he was going to cry a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> somebody um shattered his dreams there, but um. I asked him, do you, do you really like the first Crocodile Dundee? Is it like one of your favourite films? Is it like the Citizen Kane of, you know, 80s movies for you? And he was like, mm, not really. I haven't seen it in years. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about it. Just kind of apathetic about it. Well, here's the thing, Lee, because the whole kind of, we want to start doing little regular segments about films, like older films, newer films, and asking, are they all that? Are these so-called cult films, are they as, as good as what people say? Now, for you know the purposes of this show, I went back and rewatched Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee Two. I couldn't go back and watch Crocodile Dundee Three. More on that later. But I was kind of looking into it. like the first one, not so much the sequel, but the first one made a megaton of money. Like the first one, it was it was made for under ten million dollars, so pretty low budget even by eighty standards. But it made, I'm kind of reading here, like at the Australian box office alone, I'm reading my own notes and struggling to read them, but in the original, at the Australian box office alone, this made $47 million in Australia. It made $175 million in the US box office alone. It was the second highest grossing film of 1986. Do you know what the top grossing film of 1986 was, Lee? Was it Top Gun? Yeah, Top Gun. So t- there was like Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee. And you kind of go, well, I, when you watch it now, you just kind of go, like if you, if you were making Crocodile Dundee now, you know it would be like straight to Netflix. It it would, I, I just don't think it would have that huge success because I think it is, I know we're veering into like the review in the film itself, but it is very much a product of its time. And I don't think, you know, it's what, 32 years old now? I don't think, it's it's aged well, uh, and that's just me. This for me rewatching it, and it's high eighties. Like there's so many gags in there about you know people taking cocaine. There's you know there's a gag in there about a a man dressed as a woman. You know you've got Paul Hogan turning to someone and saying to a black guy, "Oh, what tribe are you from?" Now, I watch that and I cringe now. But when I was younger, that was a film that was on in my house. Like 
I know the last time we had you on the podcast, Lee, was kind of like the Christmas movie, the Christmas movie listens and Christmas movie traditions. If Crocodile Dundee was on over Christmas, I would be. And I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, I was forced to watch it." We as a family all watched that film. My mum loved it. My dad adored. It. I was talking about. I was talking to my dad this evening. My dad said he first saw Crocodile Dundee on a on a boat sailing from I think it from uh, from Hollyhead to to Dublin when he was my dad used to do gun dog displays and in on on the boat they had a proper thirty five mil projector and and you could go in and watch the film and Dad said yeah granted okay I went in I had a few drinks but you know he said like there was people on that boat in that cinema screening rolling on the floor laughter with with laughter watch it and you kind of watch it now and you kind of go really. <laughs> It's not, it's it has its moments, and I think everyone, of course, knows that that's not a knife. That's a knife. Cue my terrible Australian accent. But am I looking at this harshly, Lee? Like I, I kind of gathered, like you're you're saying you're not a huge fan of the Crocodile Dundee films, but you know, are you are you someone who, even as a kind of like at a family level, would have watched that film? Was there any kind of love or nostalgia as, from the Forgie family for Crocodile <laughs> Dundee? Um. The only bit of nostalgia that I would maybe have for it, well, two, a couple of bits. First being that when I um, was growing up, we used to go to a video shop in London where I used to live, and they had posters in the wall, and they had, it was all those like hand drawn posters, you know, for like critters and gremlins and um, all those like sort of 80s horror movies. Um, but there was always this uh, Crocodile Dundee poster, and even though I didn't have a clue what it was about, didn't really. You know, I hadn't even heard of it before. The poster always kind of... I liked the poster, right? <laughs> Which isn't much to go off. I just thought it looked pretty cool. Um, I don't think it was till a couple of years later I seen it. And I, I probably did semi-enjoy it at the time. I don't think... I, you know, it, it never really stuck with me. Not in the way that other films from the 80s have. Um, but looking back on it now, I think you hit the nail on the head. There, You know, there's some jokes in there, you know, that just don't... They don't work today. Um, it, it, it is very much a product product of its time. You know, these days there'll be a lot of jokes now that be seen as sort of sexist, homophobic, mm-hmm. transphobic, racist. Um, and I'm not here to sort of condemn the film. You know, it it's done well for itself. It was nominated, I think, even for BAFTAs and Academy Awards yeah. and Golden Globes. I think it might have even won one or two. Um, so I'm not here to like knock Crocodile Dundee. I just don't think that that style of Crocodile Dundee film, like as you said, it wouldn't survive today. Yeah. Um, not even because of, you know, blockbusters are all, as you as we said earlier, in cinematic universes or whatever, or have Tom Cruise in them or anything like that. I think it's just people's tastes have changed. I think people have grown up a lot. You know, even people who weren't alive in the 80s have kind of, if they watched it now, they'd be like, how did they get away with that now? Yeah. Um, for I mean, for me, when I think of Crocodile Dundee, I don't think of Paul Hogan. I think of that episode of The Simpsons, which I think a lot of people do, yeah. and how it kind of took every joke from Crocodile Dundee and you know almost reversed engineered it for The Simpsons, which is kind of what I think this fake film is trying to do. And as much as I don't have an affection for Crocodile Dundee the way you do. If they did this, hang, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hang on a minute. I am not sitting here now in with my kind of crocodile Dundee hat on and I heart crocodile Dundee t shirt. I it's a th- it's kind of that f- it's kind of like forced family fun kind of nostalgia. It's that kind of idea of it's something that's uh, gonna sound really sad. So cue small violin in the world. Sorry, cue the smallest violin in the world. Like it was one of those things. My my dad what he's never was massive for the cinema or movies you know so if you got a film there was very few films like i've said in the past like and it it's 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 funny i mentioned this because i know that crocodile dundee is a kind of clever play on on like tarzan the idea of the kind of wild man coming into kind of civilized uh into civilized yeah. society it's that playing that because my, my, my dad loves like stuff like tarzan and all that kind of stuff there was mm-hmm. few films like there was maybe crocodile dundee the commitments and Home Alone, those would be like the three <laughs> kind of films I would guarantee I could say, Dad, oh, Crocodile Dundee's on tonight at six o'clock. Yeah, we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch. It. It's gonna be so funny. It's hilarious. You'll get down and you'll watch it with me, son. 
And yeah, I suppose I have that nostalgia for the fact it's one of those, like my mum and I, my mum's completely different. My mum will watch anything, either at the cinema or on on, on TV. Like my mum and I will sit and watch Die Hard together. And then after halfway through it, she'll go, have we seen this before? Yeah, mum, trust me, we've seen Die Hard before. Yeah, yeah, we know, yeah, we, <laughs> we've seen that one. And then she'll maybe talk about the plot. Is this the one, you know, at the end of it where he maybe, the bit with the plane? No, that's Die Hard 2, mum. You're confusing the two films up. But anyway, that's another point. I have that nostalgia for that that sense of sitting on a sofa watching that film with my dad but it's kind of now i'm 35 depressing lately and I'm, i was kind of re-watching it for the first time in a long time just on my own fresh eyes okay i was maybe still slightly sick with the flu and just watching it and kind of going yeah did did i what did my dad let me watch that with him you know there's stuff i always get about there's it when they come to new york there's a scene where mick walks in on a guy doing cocaine and he thinks he's got the cold so he tries to say, no, that's not how you should be doing that, mate. You you should put that in a big bowl of hot water and, and, and put a tea towel over your head. And you're kind of going, I would not have got that joke at all. And there's another, there's another joke we've mentioned earlier on where oh, he's a Sheila and where he kind of grabs this transgender girl by the, the ghoulies because he's being, he's being chatted up in a bar. And you just kind of go, yeah, that's just, it's just so kind of, it's so 80s humour of its time. And I just, but it's weird. It's just kind of how weird, like, times have changed. I don't, I couldn't see me now as a parent, not that I have a child that I know of, sitting and watching Crocodile Dundee with with me when I was maybe like nine or ten. Like, I, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm just overthinking it, Lee. Well, I mean, uh, the, the thing about it is that. <laughs> For a lot of people, not just in America, but probably in in UK and Ireland and stuff, that was kind of the image of Australia that was kind of projected around the world. You know, this um, guy who lives in the outback and wrestles crocodiles and can calm a buffalo and all that sort of stuff, um, put shrimp in the barbie, drink a tin of Fosters, yada yada yada. And I think, you know, we know a lot more about Australia now anyway. But I think even at the time, there was a lot of critics who kind of thought. You know that's that's kind of like a real stereotypical. That that that's just playing off all the stereotypes. It'd be like making a film about Ireland and just making it about a guy who drinks Guinness and has ginger hair and you know what you know. It would just it's just a bit too plays yeah. too much with stereotypes and not a bit. But like I said, in the eighties, uh, well, this came out the year I was born, so I didn't see it in the eighties. Probably probably seen it in the nineties. Um, I obviously didn't really think about any of that in the nineties. Um. And I probably did have a laugh at it. Um, I probably didn't understand the jokes about cocaine and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I think just looking back on it now, it, it's one of those films for me that's, that has aged. Um, and a if bit, they can a... do something interesting with it, fine. I will certainly give it a go. But yeah. I, I think there's better Australian films out there. Um, you know, like Muriel's Wedding or yeah. Strictly Ballroom or The Castle. You know, stuff like that. There's, there's better representation of Australia out there. Um yeah. Crocodile Dundee, but I think Crocodile Dundee is the go to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I that makes sense. I agree. Like I'm not gonna get my dad to sit down and watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Like it, it's just <laughs> you should not gonna happen. It, it's just not gonna happen. You know, you have stuff like like Mad Max. I I know which is it I know it's not really a it's an Australian film well, well, yeah, it is set in Australia, so I um, suppose, you know, you've got Mad Max, you've got Crocodile Dundee. I think the one thing I'm going to try and push you on, like, I'm sitting there, I'm, I was astounded today when I was looking at the figures, because I thought it was one of those, I knew it made, was made for for next to nothing, so I thought it would maybe be a film that it, it would have made back its budget plus some, so maybe I thought, like, it would have made about the 40, 50 million mark. Maybe that. I didn't expect it to be as big a film as it is, like as I say, the second highest grossest, gro- sorry, the second highest grossing film of nineteen eighty six behind Top Gun. You know, I I just didn't expect that kind of level of of magnitude. It's the thing when I w- go back and watch, and I know it's kind of you're looking at it with different eyes. I I just don't think I can't see you know why that film was the breakout hit that it was. You know, and maybe in the same way you look at some of Eddie Murphy's early stuff. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for stuff like 
Coming to America. Coming to America, again, is another one of those films. It's a product of its time. The jokes and the humour is all engrossed in that time. It's just the attitudes have, have moved on a lot. But but yet, when I watch stuff like, you know, Beverly Hills Cop, I still, I mean, I still find Beverly Hills Cop funny. You know, it's, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a film whilst it's still very much a product of its time. The humour has still been able tra- to transcend you know, to, to to audiences today. But when I watch Crocodile Dundee, I just don't... Like, can you think of why this film was such a success at the box office? I mean, I have I have my theories. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. But just before I kind of ramble on anymore, like, what, why do you think the film was just as successful as what it was? Um, That's a very good question. Um, I know that whenever... It, during the whole production of it, you know Paul Hogan, who plays Mick, who main character, he had a lot to do with the script part of it, and I think maybe it was just this kind of I don't know I I don't know because I wasn't I was I was just born when this came out, but you need to know, like you need to have the answers. And it, it could have just been that um, maybe at the time Australia was still kind of seen, uh, you know, as uh, as a foreign land, you know, exotic land where you know there's all these wild animals and are you, you know, the sun are you, always shines. Are you threatening Lee to go back to the Simpsons reference? In the eighties, America had a brief love affair with Australian culture, and it just cuts to a picture of Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> I was going down that road. Yeah, because I, th- um, I think Paul Hogan first appeared. Was he in? He was in ads for something or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting this mixed up, but. He was a, or he was an actor. So yeah. people knew who he was. He was an, a, was off, he was an actor, and he also had like the the Paul Hogan comedy show, which I think was more Australian TV rather than American TV. And right, this is okay. kind of pre kind of YouTube, where you can just go online. So I'm not sure again. I'm not sure off the top of my head whether he had created the character of of Mick Dundee for like like I know, I know that's like a lot how a lot of these comedy characters create like their skits on maybe Saturday Night Live. And then they evolve into like um, full-on shows, like stuff like Night at the Roxbury. You know, the Roxbury brothers—they kind of started life as characters in Saturday Night Live, and then they got their own TV show. There's a lot of characters like that, so I'm not 100% certain if the character started there. I know Paul Hogan wrote it. I know he's definitely involved in a production capacity because he has made a lot of money from this film and continued to make a lot of money from this film. But. I don't. When I look back at it, there's a part of me, and this is me being like my semi kind of film critic head on. There's a big part of it is that kind of it's that male fantasy. There's so much about Crocodile Dundee's character is is the male fantasy. He's the older, wilder, the outback guy. He's he's good with his hands. He's he's good in a situation, and he manages to to seduce. And and I'm speaking again. I know I try not to be chauvinistly, but speaking as a red blooded male. We have Linda Kowalski, I think this is, uh, she's a stunningly beautiful woman, as, as Sue, this reporter who comes out to, to 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 tell a story about him, and he ends up, you know, wooing her, and she comes back, she brings him back to New York, and then you get this double barrel fish out of water, she's the fish out of water in Australia, and he needs to save her, and then when he comes to New York, he's the fish out of water, he's this guy, who who's survived the outback, but yet, you know, can he survive, you know, I don't know, Fifth Avenue? It's, there's so much about of it is when you look into it, like even when you look at the poster, it's kind of like that kind of Bond kind of esque kind of character. Yeah. When you look at like, he's the, he's, as I say, he's the older character and he's this, he's here to save this, this young, beautiful woman. And we see that more in the second one, you know, the second one kind of goes full health. Like the first one is a comedy. The second one kind of almost, I know you say you can barely remember it. The second one kind of twists it. It goes from kind of like slapstick comedy in the first one to kind of action, kind of romancing the stone kind of comedy. You know, when well, I, think, we, in, I think what you say there about uh, him being kind of an actor, I think you're right there. I mean, like you said earlier on, the highest grossing film of that year was Top Gun. So you Top Gun, which is the kind of the perfect military air force whatever you know guy clean cut in this one you've got the rugged you know muscle man who just gets it done um you know he he's one with with the outback um i mean 
put it this way, in the eighties you had Mick Dundee. Now you have like I don't know, Bear Grylls. Yeah. People still love you know, there's a lot of people who do love that kind of rugged great outdoorsman that you know a lot of people want to be that but the furthest they get is their back garden you know is that you is that who you want to, <laughs> is that who you want to be lee do you want to be bear girls you want to be mick dundee no i'll just pay somebody to do it because i'm too lazy <laughs> yeah. that's okay it's okay no it, it is i suppose it is they are those kind of as a character like those almost caricature characters of themselves that are products of their time you know even you know, you look at the character. I mentioned it. Like you look at the characters, like the Eddie Murphy played in the eighties and stuff. They were very much caricatures of 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 characters. They weren't, or they weren't kind of fleshed out. They were one dimensional. Mick Dundee is very much a kind of one dimensional character. He's the man's man. He's like like Dad always kind of talks about. Oh, you know, you could have a a pint with him. You're like, oh, would you really want to though? It's not like Ghostbusters, where which is to me is like the Citizen Kane. It's my Citizen Kane. It's the film. I loved as a child. I still love when I'm older. Sometimes there's those films you look back and there's that nostalgia factor and you come back and you're slightly ashamed of yourself. Like when I've talked in the past, I'm sure I've talked to you in the past, Lee, is like Joe versus the Volcano. Film I absolutely yeah. adored when I was younger. I love that film. I lo- there's little scenes of that are kind of are kind of ingrained on my retina of, of little moments of just on-screen wonderfulness. But when I went back and rewatched that, because I talked about screening that as part of the Bantaflex screening program, I came halfway through this and I went, this is actually terrible. <laughs> this is actually, it, it, it's terrible. It's like a film, the first half's great. The first half's kind of a Tim Burton film and the second half is like a film sponsored by the people who made Fanta. It just all completely falls down upon itself. I don't think Crocodile Dundee maybe falls upon itself. You know, and I'm not going to say I, I rewatched it. Okay, well, as I said earlier on, I was slightly sick with the flu. I'm not excusing myself. There is that that joke that I still love, and it's one of my dad's favorite jokes from Crocodile Dundee when they're trying to discuss what a bidet is. You know, you know when he kind of like you've got a big toilet and a little toilet. What's the little toilet for? <laughs> and then he kind of shouts out from the hotel window, "It's for cleaning your arse." It's yeah. I, I I'm not going to lie, Lee. I still had a little snigger at that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's some there's some jokes in there that still last, you know. I, mean, I think I think some the, of the humor in there could easily have been a joke in you know, a modern day Danny yeah. McBride film. You know, the same kind of humor there, but there's other jokes that this day and age just wouldn't yeah. lie. Yeah, I, I think it's that idea of when of of him interacting with with kind of the citizens of New York, like coming to there's a guy I think he's a bellhop at the hotel where he's staying, or he's maybe the taxi driver that takes him to the hotel. He's a black actor. He's the same actor that's and whose name has went out of my head. He's the guy that's in Die Hard. He's the the cop that talks to John McClane in Die Hard. That's yeah. the that's the actor. I apologize. His name has went out of my head, and he kind of turns to him and says, "So, so what tribe are you from, mate?" He's like, "I'm not from a tribe. I'm from Brooklyn." He's like, "But you're black. You must be from a tribe." And you're like, "Yeah." I I kind of sat there in my bed, just kind of going, "I I want the I just want these." this duvet to cover me up i can't believe you got away with jokes like that and then it's kind of weird thinking about it like there's been all this controversy about friends because it's on netflix that people are interacting and kind of saying like even in the 90s there was such kind of like homophobia and so many kind of like this these fattish jokes about monica or even on netflix uh with only fools and horses the kind of what humor was it was was deemed as a, as appropriate you know, towards the kind of members of the coloured community. It's it's kind of scary. Well, not scary. It's it's kind of scary how far you've come in the space that you don't feel like it. In the space of like 30 years, things that you, that were just kind of deemed, you know, acceptable. Like I remember watching a thing on Channel 5. Uh, I think it's Channel 5, like it was okay in the 80s. And there's some of the jokes, like, I mean, even stuff like the two Ronnies. I know you're probably listening to me, Lee, going, why is he talking about the two Ronnies? Why are you being so old? But you look back <laughs> and you go, like, there's jokes in the two Ronnies about, you you know, about members of the Jewish community. And it's, it is, it's horrible. And you go, well, Ronnie Barker's a comedy genius. But yet this was the acceptable for like half six on Saturday night primetime TV. And, you know, the st- I've went round in my usual loop-de-loop-de self. You know, it's just kind of weird how there's little bits of Crocodile Dundee is funny. 
And I think, you know, Paul Hogan as an actor and the Mick Dundee character is really likable. But there's just sometimes you sit back and go, yeah, um, did you get away with that? Because the jokes, it's kind of like how Ricky Gervais talks about how humour works. Like the joke, you're, you're not really laughing in this film. You're not really laughing at, you know, Mick Dundee's reactions to things. You know, you're not laughing at the fact that he's, oh, there's, you know, there's black people everywhere in New York and, you know, they're not from tribes and things like that. You're kind of almost laughing with him, if that makes sense, Lee. Or it's kind of the way that it's written at the time. You're laughing with him rather than you're kind of laughing at his reactions to things. Does that make sense? You're you're kind of laughing at the fact he would ask such a question yeah. as opposed to a- laughing at the fact that, you know, he's offended somebody. Yeah. For lack of a better way of explaining Yeah. This. Yeah. You kind of think, well, maybe that's part of the, that was part of the appeal. Maybe back then it was kind of like, oh, I can't believe he said that. That's brilliant. Yeah. You know, I would never say that, but the fact that he can get away with saying it, you know, yeah. whereas now you can go, uh, don't know if you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're kind of sitting, you know, Crocodile Dundee, was it all that? I think we're kind of sitting here kind of agreeing it wasn't all that, but we don't hate it. We don't hate it. I don't hate it. I, I've no, I've no real affection for it. It's not, you know, if I was to go and do kind of a on, go through my DVDs and watch a bunch of eighty films. There's other films I would watch, a long list of films I would watch before. I would watch Crocodile Dundee again. It's just never really, you know, putting aside all the kind of dated jokes and stuff. It's just a film that never really got that far on my radar. Um, so which you is don't probably e- why. I don't remember the second one and just didn't bother with the third one. <laughs> this is my point, because I was going to say, like, the second and third one, you don't have, and you don't even recall the second or third. Like, the second one, it's it's that idea of, of you have a character of Mick Dundee, what do you do? You know, the fish out of water thing's been done. So let's kind of turn him into a pseudo superhero. Almost kind of Rambo-esque is the only way I can put it. It goes from being, as I kind of, the, the humor comes from from him being the fish out of water. In the second one, it's more like, well, let's make it an action comedy. So we have a lot more action sequences. You know, Sue, his girlfriend, gets wrangled in with a a kind of drug cartel. She gets taken hostage. Mick Dundee saves her. He saves her, Lee, while listening to The Going Gets Tough. The Tough Gets Going. We all know that song. (laughs) And then he realizes that, you know, he can't save her. He can't protect her. In, in New York City from this drug cartel. So he takes her back to the outback. They follow and he kind of bumps them off one by one. And it's one of those films, like in the early 80s, where there's loads of like kind of familiar acting faces who were starting out and they were kind of playing generic henchmen one, generic henchman two. Because the thing about it is when I rewatched Crocodile Dundee afterwards, I was like, oh, why do I have this love for this film? You know, what's next? Am I going to go back and hate Tango and Cash when I rewatch it? But um, I went, oh, maybe it's the second one that I that I watched, that, that I loved. Maybe it's the second one that my mum and dad and I would watch as family. And when I watched the second one, yeah, I remember watching it with mum and dad, but I kind of went the same. It's like, I kind of prefer it to the first one. Um, There's still kind of, there's, there's less of the kind of awkward jokes, I think, anyway. But, um, and and there is a couple of good jokes about, you know, the Aborigines and how they kind of terrify kind of these people that once they're hostage about pretending that they're going to want to eat them. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's just not a very good action film. It's like when I call, it's like, uh, I know you probably haven't seen it, Pitch Perfect 3. When Pitch Perfect 3, they throw in action sequences into that franchise and it just doesn't really suit. Yeah. They take this character that's kind of, just as I said earlier, the fish out of water and try to turn him into like this kind of Bond, kind of pseudo Bond action star. And you look at the poster and you could easily imagine, you know, Sean Connery in a suit with, you know, this uh, with with Sue Linda Kowalski. She's kind of like draped over him. Again, it's the idea of, of the male fantasy, the older male man. He's saving the day. The ma- Leave it, ladies, to the man. The man will get this done. So, yeah, it, it's off its time. The third one, Lee, you're missing a treat, son. You're missing a treat if you haven't seen Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. And weirdly, it was only out in like 2001. 
So the... you see, I remember the poster for that in the movie house in on uh, your kit, and going, "Why are they making a third Crocodile Dundee <laughs> movie?" <laughs> you know, yeah. almost like fifteen years later, or whatever it was. You know, what relevance does that have? And I was the what two thousand one. I was probably what, 15, 16 at the time. Yeah, I, I've never seen it. I probably never will see it. Um, but set the scene for me. Do you really want? Well, the thing about it is, Lee, you're you would have been what fifteen two thousand one. I would have been. I would have been slightly older. I would have been maybe eighteen, nineteen. Um, I, I I always I always feel ashamed that I can't just instantly work out exactly how old I was. But um, I would yeah, I would have been in my early. I actually would have been in the like early. 20s yeah yeah early 20s and i i seen that this film was coming up and it's one of those few times i said to my dad as if i said my dad has been to the cinema a few times twice with me in my entire life home alone 2 and crocodile dundee 3 that is the film and i tell well recently more recently i've taken him to the cinema a couple of times so i suppose that's not true i took him to go see good vibrations because as you know everyone knows i was kind of i forced that film upon everybody anybody who would watch it i would make them go see and actually even worse still talking about bad movies we went to see the goldie hawn amy schumer um comedy recently just to take him to see the cinema because he loves goldie hawn but uh, yeah, my, put it this way: other than Good Vibrations and Home Alone Two, we don't have great trips to the cinema with my with, with my dad. But he's like, oh, I, I love Crocodile Dundee. Let's go see it. And my dad, um, he's had a stroke now, unfortunately. But uh, in the day, like he smoked. My dad smoked like a chimney, so that was why he wouldn't go to the cinema because he couldn't sit. You know, he'd have to go halfway out, halfway through the film for a smoke. But he would. He sat, and now he even he was forced to accept at the end of the film by watching it. That was a bit... Uh, well, we've got an expletive rating. That was a bit shit, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, that wasn't very good, Dad. The whole premise is Mick Dundee is living in Australia with his lovely wife. He has a young son now. And uh, he then decides that, uh, you know, the, the, the work's not... His kind, of, his kind of lifestyle has changed drastically. Poaching has been outlawed in Australia. He's now making a career out of wrestling crocodiles. Even that's not doing too good. He's getting too old for this stuff. And his wife gets an offer to take a job in Los Angeles. They then go to Los Angeles. Mick Dundee ends up coming almost like a PI investigating Sue's predecessor. Um, he was murdered, and they're trying to. He's trying to be in a PI and trying to figure out this, and it ends up that it's all to do with a movie studio. We have Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad is the, the bad guy or one of the bad guys, and this he's kind of the hitman, and it's just a really stupid, stupid, not funny film. Although you do get to see more of like the kind of like because by this time. They kind of realise that everyone kind of loves all the bit part players in the Crocodile Dundee film. So, like I mentioned earlier on, you have stuff like Donk and Nugget. All those kind of characters, you see a little bit more of them. I forget the name of the character who he brings with him to uh, Los Angeles from Australia. So, it's not just Paul Hogan's The Fish Out of Water. But this time, he's The Fish Out of he's Water. Yeah, he's the fish out of water and he's trying to explain to the friend, oh yeah, you think this is weird? I remember when I was in New York. This is why that happens. And it's just terrible terribleness but the thing about it is i i refuse to go back and rewatch it for this podcast but i was kind of thinking about it what crocodile dundee 3 tried to do was pitch itself as a family film and this is why when i'm coming back i'm looking back at the first one how it's not it's as far removed from a family film as you can probably get but it's trying to be like it's it's a it's one that the the whole family can go to uh, and watch, you know. There's you know oh it's funny crocodile Dundee you know he's he's wrestling a crocodile, or at the end of it you know it's all about kind of this movie studio and they're doing illicit things that sounds a bit wrong with with wild animals on set they're kidnapping wild animals, and Mick he's able to communicate of course as you know with with animals and he, they all team up and take down these you, there is a sequence where they team up with with three lions that's kind of the that's the level you're you're working at here like baby's day out kind of level yeah. and it's not very good lee i'm not going to try and sell it to you but it's just weird you know there's i know there's a lot like it's like when you look at the lethal weapon films that's same i know it's a different kind of arc 
but like Lethal Weapon 1 and even 2 are kind of hard action movies of the 80s. They're tough, their characters are flawed, and it's pretty violent. But by Lethal Weapon 4 or Lethal Weapon 5, they're they're pretty... T- they are the kind of what we think now of, like the buddy cop kind of stuff. You know, it's, yeah. it's stuff for all the family. It's the same with the Terminator stuff as well. You know, Terminator 1, it's, you know, he's the bad guy in Terminator 1. But by Terminator 4 or 5, whatever the bucket of Genesis, whatever it's called, he's he's the good guy. It's a 12A. So I always find it really weird when you, especially when I went back and rewatched Crocodile Dundee the other night, how this film that's so kind of, you know, there's the, all the jokes we mentioned earlier on about taking cocaine and the stuff like about, you know, you know, that he's a Sheila, all that kind of stuff. That's not for a family audience. That's for like right. my dad. <laughs> it's Well, that's in two, if you think in 2001, you know, that was the year that, I think it was the year Harry Potter came out, the, yeah. year, the first Harry Potter film. Um, you'd like the Mummy films, right? Shrek, you know, you'd, you'd all these. All better films you could be spending your time all in cinema. <laughs> to get the family of the cinema together. And I, I think. I don't know whose idea it was to bring a crocodile on the in kicking and stream, screaming in the twenty first century, but yeah, I think you're right. Just that the, the humor that kind of a lot of people like for the first one, and even was the second one, probably wouldn't have worked for a third one. So they re rebranded it slightly, retooled it, and it just didn't really work from what I've heard. What you the way you've explained, yeah, it, it's it's pretty dull. It's pretty dully. Uh, I can I can just say it's. I think it's like eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's not a very good film. There's films on Rotten Tomatoes with lower ratings than Crocodile Dundee, and those lower ratings, believe me, are are well earned. It's it's one of those things. There's no bite to it at all. Pardon the crocodile kind of esque kind of pun. There's no bite at all. There's no teeth. It's kind of humorless by the numbers generic that's trying to appeal to a family audience and it's something as you've kind of said when you don't really know what you've got but you've got a thing that you think there's enough love for this character there was a tv show movies games and videos and they had him being interviewed and kind of paul hogan was like yeah we've been wanting to make this film for years you know crocodile dundee goes to london you know we, we could we could see loads of these films kind of pitching up you know crocodile dundee goes to london he goes to russia you know all this stuff. Thankfully, they they finished it with Los Angeles, but uh, yeah, it it's toothless. You know, by the numbers, box ticking, box ticking exercise. It's it's one of those things. You're kind of surprised it it hasn't even just it didn't even go like straight to DVD, because it, yeah. it was in that era of straight to DVD stuff. But this, believe me, did get a theatrical release because I went to see this in the Oma Cinema, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say to you, Lee, or any of our listeners, like if you're going to get a box set, you know, I would say a box set with Crocodile Dundee 1 and 2 is going to be £10. A box set with Crocodile 1, 2 and 3 is going to be maybe 2, 3 pound. It's going to be, it's, it devalues the whole trilogy. If It devalues, <laughs> it devalues the, whole, the whole series just to have its presence. Well, maybe then, if they ever do make this sequel, this reboot that they've kind of played around with with these ads that maybe that's what they were missing you know paul hogan for all all the effects and people have for the first film first crocodile dundee film he didn't really do a huge amount after that no i remember he, seeing him in the the movie version of flipper i think he did flipper he did almost an angel which i remember watching and then he also did another film to my shame my mom still mocks me for this he made a film it was kind of like a like Paul Hogan, how do I not be Crocodile Dundee, but you know, still be Crocodile Dundee? And he made this western called Lightning Jack. And oh yeah, I think I remember that. I went to see this in the cinema. I don't know how old I was. My mom, as I say, would have went to see it because she liked Paul Hogan. She liked Crocodile Dundee, and my mom still to this day, every so often, would if I slag something off, and she'd be like, "Oh yeah, you, but you were younger. You used to go around playing, pretending to be Lightning Jack, and going, I'm Lightning Jack.'" And you're like, "Thanks, mom. Thanks." You know, Amber really, need, <laughs> Amber really needed to know that story now that I'm thirty. About well, at that time, we went to see something when I was ten or twelve. But uh, yeah, th- th- there's Lightning Jack Lee, and I actually think it's available 
on YouTube to watch for free. Again, good then. <laughs> again, it's one of those things. I, 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 I daren't go back and rewatch it. But again, it's that kind of it's it's the kind of you give it as a launch pad for a character and this character, and you kind of go, this could so easily be like Crocodile Dundee prequel you know crocodile dundee in the west you know his great 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 grandfather that's the kind of premise you're working with here it's i'm being honest i'm struggling to remember because when i start to think about it i'm getting it confused with the other film with mel gibson maverick i kind of i I can't remember which of the two oh there's isn't there the bit where you know he kind of pops up and then you know there's that guy from the other film he's in no that's maverick that's when you know mel gibson meets danny glover you know that that that's from that film, yeah. Both I'm not what I'm sitting and saying here. Both films aren't great. You know, <laughs> Maverick's not great. Lightning Jack's not great. I might rewatch it just for the crackly. Well, if you go back to these ads, then like, if they're gonna do a big Super Bowl, you know, trailer in between the trailer for the new Avengers movie and the new Harry Potter movie, and they have this tourism Australia ad, do you not think then? It's gonna have Danny McBride's character meeting up with his long lost daddy, in the bird commas, and it'll be Paul Hogan, and it'll be the shot in the arm Paul Hogan's career needs. He's gonna come back. He'll do a Liam Neeson, and he'll make like, you know, Taken in Australia, you know. Yeah. But but like the that. thing is, Lee, he won't. He'll he'll make Crocodile Dundee four because the way people are looking at this go, oh, there's a lot of love out there for for Crocodile Dundee. You know, this ad campaign. Someone will sit and go. Let's make this film. I, 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 I would place my house genuinely. I would place my house on on this being made at some point. I don't think it will maybe necessarily have you know Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, Isla Fisher, um, Hugh Jackman. I don't think it's going to necessarily have both the Hemsworth brothers. Okay, it might have. Liam. <laughs> yeah, it might have Liam Hemsworth. Let's let's be honest. I could see him. I could you know Chris Hemsworth. He. He'll maybe do it. You know, he he signed on for the Ghostbusters reboot. He might do it. Um, as I say, though, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't watched those trailers and haven't laughed because I have laughed. You know, there's the the sequence where they reenact the bit with the the is it the bison or the bison, yeah. yeah the big bison where he's kind of doing the thing and trying to relax it. It's like yeah, I can do it. I can do it. You're you're putting me off my chi, man. It's like and, and Chris Hemsworth is like yeah, but. Your dad did it right beside him, and then it just kind of cuts, and he's kind of like almost like kind of like five hundred yards away from the bison. I laugh, Lee. Whether that makes me a bad person or not, I did laugh, and I did you know, laugh. I, th- I think it's funny too. I think the fact that if they do do this and they do, kind of, you know, it, it it's going for that. As I said at the start, the Twenty One Jump Street style of humor, yeah. um, or Starsky and Hutch, the one with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. You know, it's it's kind of poking and prodding at it, going, how did you find this funny in the 80s? We're just going to take the, the piss out of it now. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, Danny McBride, he's just one of those um, comedy actors who, he, he plays a very similar character in quite a lot of his films. I don't dispute that. Yeah, like in, But it's, it's like, this kind of arrogance yeah. that works really well, and I think that you know, having the Australia, and, or sorry, the American in Australia, is what the draw will be there. Um, yeah. Because it's Danny McBride, you know, he's just going to lose the rag at some point, and and you know, run off, be like, oh, I don't, you know, that that's just the way a lot of his characters are in his films, and I think it kind of work, it'll work well if they do decide. I'm talking about this film like it's already out. <laughs> it'll kind of work well if they do decide to make a film. Um, yeah. Well, luckily, I think Bandaflix could, I think Bandaflix could maybe produce it. Okay, we might not necessarily have Danny McBride, you know, in the helm, okay. but I'm sure we could get some local actors on we'll board. Get a Kickstarter involved, and we'll, we'll give people, uh, people who pay up a certain amount of money you can get a yeah. creative fosters <laughs> yeah i'm up, i'm up for that because i have to i've come late to the danny mcbride wagon and you know what's weird you know last year we had danny mcbride in space with alien covenant sorry i had to do it and you know he's weirdly one of the people behind the the halloween reboot that's that's coming up and yeah i've i've got i've in a relative short space of time i've developed quite a an affection for the man you know so for people maybe who aren't familiar with and we're going to wrap things up lee you know but very quickly for people who maybe aren't familiar with danny mcbride stuff before the the whole dundee viral campaign what are the films tv series that you'd recommend people 
who like me, late comers to the Danny McBride wagon, what should you recommend they look out and watch? Um, well, the one that, that got me, first of all, was Pineapple Express, where he plays Red. Um, he's kind of bumbling drug dealer kind of character. I, I thought he was brilliant in that. You know, one of his first films, which he was the writer on, uh, The Foot Fist Way, it, where he's like a, a karate teacher. It's pretty good, too. Um, this is the end as well. You know, that's got everyone in that. You know, it's got Seth Rogen. It's got Jonah Hill. And he, he kind of gels well with those guys. Um, so... In a lot of those those films and in his TV series, he's biting down, and even his his newer one, Vice Principals, he kind of plays, he plays this kind of arrogant, um, takes no shit kind of guy, but he then has like a kind of softer core, and that that's kind of the way he comes across in pretty much all of his films, most of them anyway. Maybe not so much in Alien Covenant or or stuff like that, but um, well, in Alien Covenant, in all honesty, and I'm not going to let Banderflix have another kind of whole segue with Alien Covenant, he manages to stand out in that film because he wears a cowboy hat and he sings Sweet Home Alabama. That's it. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah, if that, if that was Alien Covenant, then that would have been the perfect film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, we'll not get into that. Um, we're, we're not going to go into that Alien Covenant thing, Lee, because um, <laughs> it's, 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 it'll end up being another R podcast and Gavin Moriarty, if he's listening, he'll only email me or start messaging me about how I can't believe you mentioned Alien Covenant again. But that's a podcast for another day. And we did far too many Alien Covenant related podcasts last year. Look, I, I think we, we've talked for, for just nearly an hour, Lee. I think we're, we're out of steam. And uh, I think we've kind of got coming back to the kind of typical Banderflix kind of segue. We're finishing an Alien Covenant. We started talking about, you know, Crocodile Dundee. I think we've, we're both agreeing. I know we've mentioned this earlier. Crocodile Dundee, is it all that? And I think the answer is, yeah. it, eh, it's all right. Meh, three stars. But anyway, the, as we say, that was the kind of purpose of this podcast. Uh, so we'll bring things to a close, Lee. Enjoy the Super Bowl this year. Enjoy your ads. I know between all your ads for Mission Impossible, Black Panther, Avengers, Lee, I know you'll be avidly watching for the Dundee Son of a Legend trailers. And we can live in hope, Lee, that maybe one day this fake trailer will become reality. And many years from now, as old men, we can sit and discuss, Lee, Dundee, son of a legend, was it all that? <laughs> so that's really all, Lee. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And uh, for now, until then, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>